Welcome to this edition of the Peace and Power Podcast, where we rediscover the life of peace and power envisioned in God's Word. Somewhere deep within, each of us desires an inner flow of peace and power that transforms our daily attitudes, relationships, and life decisions. So we now turn to God's message, the Bible as it teaches us to live in that flow of spirit peace and spirit power. It may be helpful for you to follow the outline of each talk, which is available in the show notes. And you will find the full transcript on our website, peaceandpowerpodcast.com. That's peaceandpowerpodcast.com. Here is Dr. Jim Coleman with today's Bible Talk. She was a single mother with three small children. She was not homeless, but nearly. She had jobs, occasionally. She had recently been diagnosed as HIV positive. Life was hard, and getting harder for this woman in her late 30s. From time to time, she came into the church office, the church I served at the time, in need of assistance. And we helped when possible. On this particular morning, I sat across a small desk from her, and the kids crawled up and down and over her lap. There were dark circles under her eyes, and it was only 10 o'clock in the morning, but she already seemed exhausted. This time, I had to look into those eyes and tell her that we had a large number of recent assistance cases, and our funds were depleted. We couldn't help her at this time. But, I said, I wanted to pray with her. We asked God to be her provider and her strength, her healer, her guide. When the prayer was over, I apologized again that we had nothing to give her today. And she smiled a weary smile and then said, Oh, you haven't given me nothing. You gave me prayer. So you don't feel bad. You gave me prayer. And with those gracious words, I felt she had given me much more than I had been able to give to her. She had allowed me to pray with her and for her. Prayer is one of the greatest gifts we can give to another. Think of it to speak to the living God, the loving God, with someone and for someone. In fact, isn't it fascinating that in Luke's account of what we call the Lord's Prayer, it's all about giving There's what Jesus gives, what we give, and what God gives. Luke 11, 1-4 records the occasion of this prayer and the prayer itself. Listen. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Father, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. We see first that Jesus gives to his disciples and to us his own example as a person of prayer. Luke records it in verse 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. 
Now, Jesus was never a hypocrite. He never said, do as I say, not as I do. He always taught what he lived. The reason he taught the Lord's Prayer is because he prayed and lived out the Lord's Prayer. An example is a powerful method of instruction, isn't it? In fact, in ancient Judaism, many Jews felt that the example of the rabbi living what he taught was integral to the teaching itself. A rabbi who could demonstrate what he taught was to be more prized than a rabbi who had great teaching talent but didn't apply it to his own life. Now, there are times when spiritual leaders do not live up to everything they teach. They are still learning how to live it out. But Jesus always perfectly lived what he taught. And we should observe his example. We should also follow his instruction. In fact, Luke writes that it was Jesus' example which inspired a disciple's question. As he finished, Luke writes, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. So Luke here records the core of what we know as the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father Prayer. This is a more concise version than Matthew records. It does not disagree with Matthew's version. It just doesn't include a part of it. Mark and John, of course, don't include the Lord's Prayer at all. This is one reason we have four Gospels, to receive Jesus' full teaching. So we are not told which disciple this was, but you and I are so very grateful that he asked this question. Ask Jesus for instruction in prayer. And notice the yearning, longing, great desire in this question. This disciple wants to know how to pray. Is this our attitude when we read this prayer? Do we long to pray it? Well, Jesus gave it as instruction, and we should always yearn to follow his instruction. So, this is what Jesus gives. He gives an example, and he gives instruction. What does this prayer ask us to give? Well, first, as we approach God in prayer, we give reverence to God's name. The way Jesus prayed it here, Father, may your name be kept holy. When Jesus says, may your name be kept holy, we recognize that as the third commandment of the Ten Commandments. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name, Exodus 27. And most Jews in Jesus' time wouldn't even speak God's name, Yahweh, for fear of misusing it. And notice what Jesus calls God in this prayer, this holy God, Father. God had used the name Father with Israel, but never with Gentiles. And now Jesus was going to make it possible to call God Father, because soon the Holy Spirit would come to give us a new birth, into a new family, God's family. And God could be the father of anyone who believed in Jesus. Notice that in this one sentence that I just spoke were all three holy names in the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We honor all three as holy, and we set apart those names from any other names in the universe. Jesus said, 
Father, may your name be kept holy. Then Jesus instructs us to pray for the kingdom of God. But when we pray, may your kingdom come soon, it really means may your kingdom return. Because in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God's kingdom was on this earth. God's goodness and truth ruled this world. But then in Genesis 3, the story changes. And now the world is in rebellion against the Creator. We humans have created our own kingdom. And in this kingdom, we can play by our own rules. We make our own decisions without God's advice. How often is it depicted in your favorite TV show that the characters stop and pray before they make a decision? How often does this happen in real life? And our kingdom hasn't worked out very well because we are living backwards from what God designed. But by faith in Jesus, we desire God's kingdom to return and the world to be reset, reset forwards instead of backwards. So Jesus taught us to yearn for it, to long for it, to pray for it, and meanwhile to live according to that kingdom right now, today, before it fully returns. Christians are to display for others by the inner power of the Holy Spirit what that kingdom will look like, in fact, already does look like, among those who are citizens of that kingdom. Now someday this prayer will come true in all of its fullness. The kingdom of God will come. And this prayer asks us to keep longing. May your kingdom come soon, Lord. So, Jesus gave. We see in the teaching of this prayer that he gave an example and instruction. And we give. We give reverence to God's name and loyalty to God's rule. Now finally in this prayer we see that God gives. The best question to ask first is why does God give? Because God is a giving God. It is God's nature. God can't help but to give. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, begins, God so loved the world that he gave. So when Jesus prays in verse 3, give us each day the food we need. The word translated for food, which of course in the King James Version is translated bread, points to something broader than just food, but material needs. Those daily needs we get from God's earth it is a prayer for physical sustenance. This is why one frequent time of Christian prayer is before a meal. We are acknowledging that God is the provider. So Jesus teaches us to pray to the Father for all of our daily needs, whatever needs come into our life, which we need God to provide for. Uh, for the past couple of weeks, my family has been trying to sell our van. Recently, we were able to buy a newer van uh, from family members, and we don't need two vans, so I placed a for sale sign on it and made it a part of my daily prayer. Lord, would you bring someone who needs this van to us? This week, a buyer came. Now, someone could say, but Jim, don't you think that van would have sold without praying about it? I don't know. It had 265,000 miles on it, so I think prayer was probably required. But I do know this. Jesus instructed me in this prayer 
to come to the Father with my needs, whatever those needs are. And my coming isn't just about the need itself. It's about me sharing my life needs with God. Sometimes my greatest need isn't really the need. It is the sharing of the need. It is my faith that God is a giving God, and I am to humbly ask my God and be open to receiving from my Heavenly Father, whatever God's answer is. And so prayer constantly reminds me what kind of a providing Heavenly Father I have and how I am to come to Him humbly about my needs. Why can I do that? Because God is a giving God. One of the greatest ways God gives is when God forgives. So Jesus places in this prayer these words, And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Verse 4. The greatest gift we need from God is forgiveness. And that forgiveness doesn't stop with us. It flows through us to others. We are enabled to give the supernatural gift of forgiveness to other people. And this amazes them. They want to know where that kind of forgiveness comes from. This is how our forgiveness leads others to God's forgiveness. And by God's grace, we're enabled to mirror that divine forgiveness that we have received. This past week, I ran across a parable about forgiveness that I hadn't heard in a number of years. It seems in the 1500s, there was a ship captain exploring the high seas who was disliked and unpopular. He was also notorious for holding grudges. Whenever anyone committed an offense against him in word or deed, he wanted to remember it and someday get his revenge on that person. So, each time someone did him an injustice, he found a pebble, and he etched the person's initials on that pebble to remind him to look for an opportunity to get even. He kept each pebble. In fact, he kept the pebbles on the ship that he captained. But he did not observe that with each passing month and year, his ship sat lower in the water. Then came the day. He carried on to the ship one too many pebbles. And you know what happened. The ship sank. The heavy burden of unforgiveness was too much for the ship to bear. And when we are unforgiving, we sink our own ship. But this prayer tries to spare us from sinking. It helps us to throw away our pebbles. It reminds us of God's supernatural power to forgive us that allows us to forgive others. Well, there's one other gift of power God gives for which we can and must pray. Jesus prayed in verse 4, and don't let us yield to temptation. Temptation's power can seem so strong, but there's a far greater power that God is willing to give us. Luke's version of this prayer began with calling God holy, and it ends with a prayer that we might be holy. To be holy, we need inner presence and power from the Holy Spirit. God's power against temptation is not that day after day, And month after month and year after year, the same temptation attacks us, and it is hard each and every time to resist it. No, God's power is much greater than that. The Spirit removes from us the desire 
for that temptation. It no longer has power against us. The Spirit gives us a different desire, a holy desire, a desire set apart from God and for God's ways over the unholy desires. So the unholy desires begin to mean nothing to us. They fade in their tempting power. That is spiritual victory over temptation. What a giving prayer. It reveals what Jesus gives to us, his example of prayer and his instruction in prayer. It reveals what we give to God, reverence for God's name and loyalty to God's kingdom rule. And it reveals what our Heavenly Father offers to us, the power of being forgiven and of forgiving and the power that makes us holy. No wonder that exhausted single mother was able to say to me, Oh, you haven't given me nothing. You gave me prayer. Today's Peace and Power Truth is this. The Lord's Prayer offers you the peace of God in forgiveness and the power of God over temptation. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Peace and Power Podcast. And we invite you to subscribe to hear the next upcoming Bible talk. Again, our website is peaceandpowerpodcast.com. And our prayer is that God's Word has brought you a greater sense of a supernatural flow of God's peace and power in your life.